right, everybody, welcome back. Episode 22. Andy, can you believe we've been doing this for 22 straight weeks? I absolutely cannot believe that. We're basically have done half a year of podcasting. Uh, How crazy is that? Not, not quite. 28. Wait, no. Oh. 52, 52, 24, 25, 26, 26. We're a month away. It's close. Yeah. Time flies yes. when you're having fun. Yes. Or at least when you're in the podcast just talking. Uh, yes. Don't know much about the <laughs> listening. Um, actually, I wanted to ask you, Paul, do you ever listen to the podcast afterwards? I don't. I hate listening to the sound of my voice. I know that's mm-hmm. kind of cliche, but it, it's true. I don't like listening to the sound of my voice, so I do not. Do you? Yeah. I I am the same. I don't like listening to the sound of my voice. I found that what I find that when I talk, I, what I think I say in my head sounds really eloquent and really like sophisticated. And then when I hear it come out, it's like, man, this is the most banal crap I have ever heard. <laughs> well, what I have heard is that your voice, how it sounds to you through like the sound of your voice, like vibrating in your like middle ear bones versus how it sounds coming from like what other people hear is different. So that's yes. why a lot of people don't like the sound of their own voice. So I thought that was yeah. interesting. Right, because they're probably they can't really notice it all that all that much. So yeah. it's all those vibrations. Well, yeah, crazy. Well, speaking of good vibrations, or at least good enough vibrations, Andy. Yeah, Barcelona this week. Oh my gosh, this team wants to kill me through a heart <laughs> attack. Oh man, <sighs> yeah, you had a you had a tough game against Atletico Bilbao. The, the whole like stadium and fans were ready for it. Yes, um, kind of crazy to see. Yes, well, to to set the stage, Andy, Ronald Araujo was suspended from the straight red card from the week previous, and mm-hmm. Barcelona were still without Pedri due to injury and Dembele due to injury. So, okay. also there are some key players on yellow cards, including Frank Kessier, who didn't come on until a sub later in the game, and Barcelona has a Clasico coming up this week. Round four, which is still crazy that we're getting five rounds of Classicos this year. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that kind of sets the stage. So Barcelona is still not at full strength, playing a very in-form, very motivated at-home athletic Bilbao. Mm-hmm. And Bilbao was the better team throughout the game. Barcelona dominated the second half with possession, but didn't do anything with it. They were just protecting their one-goal lead. Luckily, Rafinha... Rafinha had a really nice game. And I honestly, Andy, I have been very impressed and very happy with Rafinha's performance so far this season. He mm-hmm. has 18 total goal contributions, nine goals, nine assists so far. That's great. It's nice to see that balance too, where like mm-hmm. he's means like he, when he is getting in the, into the position, he's making the right decision. Cause I know yeah. we have, as you know, we have a Brazilian right winger as well, uh, but his contributions have been more goals than assists. So any case, yeah, just and for comparison. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Brazil is a powerhouse for soccer. I love seeing their products, mm. uh, unless it's Vinicius Jr., but that's because he's a place for Real Madrid. But anyway, yep. and he's a left winger, I think. <laughs> yes. So, yes, yeah, yes. So he doesn't count. He's not in the categories. Exactly, exactly. So Rafinha, he got on the end of a cross and headed it back towards goal. The ball ended up bouncing out to Sergio Busquets, who stopped it kind of close to the top of the edge of the 18 does as the announcers uh, called it shadow boxing, where he basically did a whole body feint to the left, pulled it back to his right, found Rafinha 
who took one mm. actually poor touch, but it bounced up just right for him, and he slotted it in with his weaker foot past the goalkeeper. The referee's assistant called it offside to start, and VAR went back and checked it, and he was actually onside by about a foot, more or less. So close margins, but Barcelona get the goal allowed. By the way, quick sidebar. I had a listener tell me this week or this past week that I was have been way too critical of refs recently, so mm. I am making it a point to be to try to be less critical. So we're gonna see how that goes. Whoever uh, that listener is, thank you uh, for your input. <laughs> uh, I wish you didn't give that input for didn't hear that input because I might have a little uh, a little beef against refs, not completely against them, but. Well, the well, listener, we'll the listener we'll just said me. They just said me. So <laughs> we'll see. But, we'll see. <laughs> but anyway, so the game goes on. Barcelona, as I mentioned earlier, are essentially protecting their lead as Barcelona does by holding the ball because if the other team can't get the ball, it's very hard to score. Mm-hmm. So Barcelona protecting the ball. But Barcelona sub on Marcos Alonso. And as you know, Andy, Marcos Alonso is not a spring chicken anymore. And he no, gets he's maybe like a fall chicken. Yeah, yeah, fall closing in on winter chicken. Mm-hmm. So, Atletico, Athletic Bilbao play a beautiful ball over the top. Marcus Alonso loses complete track of his man. Starts running. I don't even know, like like sideways instead of straight back to try and defend. Hmm. And Nico, I believe it was Nico Williams. No, it was Inaki Williams. I think it was one of the Williams brothers. They both play for Atleti Bilbao. He gets on the end of the ball over the top, takes a touch and slots it past Ter Stegen, past Ter Stegen and it's 1-1. Crap. And VAR intervenes. And I'm like, what could they possibly be intervening for? Like, it's not, it's very clear that it was not offside. Well, it turns out in the lead up to that play, at the point where Barcelona turned the ball over, one of Athletic Bilbao's players went into a tackle with Frankie De Jong where the ball popped up. Frankie De Jong lifts his boot up, which it could have been called a high boot, absolutely, but the referee decided to play on. But the Athletic Bilbao player came in with his arm raised. The ball hit his arm, went to another Athletic Bilbao player who played the ball over the top to Williams, who ended up scoring the goal. So after... Five minutes of deliberation, VAR calls well calls the referee over. Referee Gil Manzano, who I have criticized in week pa- weeks past, but I think he had a great game. He calls the goal back for a handball, and Barcelona managed to hang on. Wow. Whew. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's, that's heart attack. That's heart attack central right there, Andy. So yeah. there's nothing like a build-up to the goal kind of either reversal or something because that – yeah. Oh man, that's well. And and here's the thing, Andy is like I said, I have been critical of refs in week past weeks past. I watched a lot of games and game highlights this past weekend, and I think every single one that I watched, the refs did a great job. And I hmm. will argue about Manchester United in a little bit, but I think it was in this instant, it was very clearly a handball. The arm was raised in an unnatural position. The arm hit the ball, which ended up putting it in an advantageous position for Athletic Bilbao, which helped them to score the goal. So I don't know if you watched the highlights of this game, but I, in my opinion, I thought it was I thought it was fair. Yeah, I so I wasn't able to. Um, but what I would just from the description that you gave, 
I would say like, yeah, it would just depend if it's in an unnatural position hitting it. The, the question just is how the referee doesn't see that in the, in the buildup with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, honestly, yeah, I guess that's my question. So there were, there were a lot of bodies around the ball. There were two or three athletic Bilbao players around Frankie de Jong. Cause he had taken a poor touch and popped the ball up. And then he tried to lift his boot to kick the ball again. And mm-hmm. the referee didn't even call on a high boot, which I think he could have done in that, in that situation. But that's, that's probably why I think he didn't see it is because okay. he was kind of looking through players and there was, there was a lot going on. It wasn't okay. just like two guys coming together. So that's yeah. why I think that he, he missed it in the moment. So if that's, yeah. So if that's the case, I would say just from hearing that, like if a referee can't actually see what's happening and only, that's where like a video assistant referee would be beneficial seeing, yeah. you know, in this mix up what's actually happening. Cause you can slow down. You can see exactly what's happening, have a different view and angle on it to see that to me is a, a worthy kind of review for that. The yeah. only thing that kind of gets dicey is then because the play then keeps going on. That's where it gets, I think a bit dicey. So that's, yeah, that's a it, discussion for another thing of going back. How far do you go back when it leads yeah. up to a goal? Because there's still a point where the defense, even if the defense doesn't realize it, they're still playing, you know, yeah. unless they're yeah. saying like, there's a handball and you have three or four players completely bamboozled because they're like, that's a handball and thinking yeah. the ball goes out, that they move around or whatever that can affect play. But yeah. just from that sounds like, you know, nice. We can Barcelona, Barcelona got one. So, yeah. Which is yeah. great. And, and we can, we can spend another episode maybe in the summer or something talking about VAR and our thoughts on VAR. But mm-hmm. you know, my takeaways, Andy from this game is goodness gracious. Barcelona miss Ronald Araujo. In that defense, they need him really badly. And they're mm-hmm. also missing Pedri. So, and I'll get to them in a second, but I see a note here that you have Gavi is not as good as or is less than Phil Jones. And I believe you sent me a link here. Yes. So the reason I mentioned this is when I did see a little bit of the highlights. So I didn't see all of the highlights. I saw a little bit. Uh, there was a video or a clip I saw on uh, Instagram going around where at one point in the game, Javi goes or Gavi goes and tries to commit a head tackle. So what a head tackle is, listeners, is you just use your head to poke the ball away from someone's foot. And Gavi tried to do this. I think he ended up getting a foul for it, um, which I think is kind of funny because you're using your head for <laughs> making the tackle, which you can do. Yes, he got a foul for the lead-up before that because he, he pulled the guy down. And actually, oh, quick sidebar, okay. mm-hmm. he did this twice in the game. Oh, this was this is only his first time. Oh, God. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, okay, even even then, even then, um, I think what they should do is they shouldn't call it the head, a head tackle. They should call it the Phil Jones tackle because <laughs> Phil Jones is the first one to do this on record of any noteworthiness. Um, yeah. This goes way back to United's um, Louis van Hall days where Olivier Giroud was on Arsenal and it was a big game and there's a point in the game where there's a ball looped over Manchester United's defense. Phil Jones looks like he has it, uh, but <laughs> poor unfortunate Phil Jones, he slips and he can't get back up in time and he sees Olivier Giroud come like just sprinting at the ball because basically if like if Olivier Giroud gets the ball, it's an easy one-on-one with a goalie. 
he's going to slot it away. So what does Phil Jones do? He is on, he's on his fours at this point because he slipped. So what does he do besides like, he doesn't swivel around to try to like stick out his foot to get a tackle in. No, absolutely not. What he decides to do is he decides to crawl on the ground and use his head to lift the ball to hit off Olivier Giroux, who is on coming against his shin to then have the ball go out of bounds. Honestly, this was the defensive play of the season. This is my favorite defensive play of all time. Um, so I wanted to <laughs> share that with Paul and get Paul's initial reaction from the YouTube video. It was, it was great. I just watched it. Um, Gabby was definitely doing his best Phil Jones impersonation. <laughs> Gabby did it twice in the middle of the pitch. Mm-hmm. He did not do it in his own 18. Yeah. So yes, Phil Jones, well done. Gavi has been apparently watching Phil Jones highlights all week. So hey, you know what? You have to you have to learn from the best. And honestly, Gavi is revolutionary in bringing it out into midfield because it's yes. only been done by defenders. So I applaud him for <laughs> <laughs> trying to bring that innovation from defense That's uh, out to out to midfield. So yes. I am I am happy for him, uh, but he just has a little bit of ways to go and has to learn under. The great Phil Jones. Yes, yeah, that's great. Well, Andy, quick, quickly wrapping up my Barcelona segment here. We have, as I mentioned earlier, El Clasico round four coming up next week, Sunday in six days. So Ronald Rajo is going to be coming off suspension. It is expected that Pedri is returning. He was spotted at training earlier today. So great news for Barcelona fans, myself included. Awesome. It sounds like... Usman Dembele has had some delays in his return. He was expected to come back this weekend. Now, I'm calling this the Dembele mind games here, Andy, because mm-hmm. I've seen sources where Barcelona is potentially delaying his return because they don't want him to be called up to the French national team at the end of this month for the European qualifiers that are happening. Gotcha. Yeah. That, so I've noticed that happening with club teams. They'll do this when they're going out when a team is going out to an international break and one of their players is just coming back from injury or has played a lot. Clubs will make requests sometimes for the international team to not play a certain somebody international team wouldn't want to do that. So the club team will just say, well, there's a report that he's not fully fit, so he can't play. Yeah. Sounds like one of those and maybe a smart move on, on Barcelona's end to, to do that. They can <laughs> find a way be, to except do that. For- Except for it's a Clasico this weekend. But luckily, Rafinha has been playing well, so it'll be interesting to see how that shapes up this upcoming week. Definitely. Yeah. How are you feeling going into it? Because now, now you guys are at different stages of you know your own progression in the season. Yeah. So do you think this is advantage Barcelona? Do you think it's, you know, this is might be a chance where Real Madrid just take one, given that it is a rivalry and anything can happen in a rivalry? Sure. I in my opinion, I think it's advantage Barcelona twofold. Barcelona do not have a midweek game, and while Real Madrid don't have to try as hard in their midweek game against Liverpool because they already have a three-goal aggregate advantage, as we've seen with Liverpool, it it could be feast or famine. So Liverpool could score five or six, and they could score negative five. Yeah, you know, put the ball in their own net five times. So it it really just depends on how that game goes. For one, for two, Barcelona is also at home. So mm-hmm. Barcelona have been almost unbeatable at the Camp Nou in La Liga this season. So I think it's an advantage Barcelona. And Barcelona will, as far as I know, as long as Pedri continues to track in his recovery this week, Barcelona are going to be with all of their starters minus Usman Dembele, depending on how his recovery goes. So 
I think that's really big advantage Barcelona. Yeah. No, that sounds that sounds great. So yeah, definitely looking forward to that other El Clasico, uh, seeing where where you guys end up with this. Because again, the more trophies Javi can get, I think that more cements himself for the future, and that also yeah. cements himself as, or not just for the future of Barcelona, but then just him as a manager, where it, that starts to quell any sort of doubts on whether he's the right manager to to lead. So yeah. big games, Definitely. big games matter for sure. Yes. Um, speaking of big games, United had a. Big game against Real Betis, uh, for the Europa League. What really made this the biggest, the biggest thing and probably the biggest takeaway from this game is we were looking to see what kind of United would show up because yeah. obviously getting smacked around at Anfield against Liverpool 7-0, there was, there had to be a response. And it was really interesting because the last time what looked like United had given this kind of performance, uh, which was against, uh, I would say, Brentford of getting shut out against Brentford 4-0. Ten Hag instituted the policy of, you know, going more authoritarian, going more old school. Everyone's going to run because you weren't meeting up to standards. With Liverpool, is going to be interesting because now you had, like, after the Sunday game, you know how to game on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. So if you run your players and try to, like, do this, you know, authoritative, you didn't go into performances you know, you're going to run, was that going to be the the hand or was it more going to be of, we just, we, do you just do like a video session and really go through and really hammer into players how, what was so unacceptable about that performance and then move on. Um, and just really just seeing how the players would react to this. Um, so went up a goal, ended up giving up a goal somewhere, just kind of fluky, fluky defense where it looked like, you know, either Luke Shaw or in the transition, from Anthony uh, on that left side wasn't as solidified as it should. A lot of goal to creep in. Uh, but second half, United come out, bust out of the gates, and get their get two goals. Uh, favorite one to see? Oh no, I'm sorry, four goals because they won four one. Um, one of the best things to see was to see Wout Weghorst score. <laughs> oh my second, gosh! Second United goal. Um, his first European. I think it's his first European competitions goal. And oh my gosh, Paul, this is another reason why I love sports. Why I specifically love soccer is you see the absolute passion for someone scoring, and he yes. scored on the Stratford end. If you have a chance, go and watch it because you know this is this is a goal that's like a, a ricochet kind of like. People would call it a greasy goal if we were talking about hockey. But for him to be able to score for Manchester United on a European night just meant the world to him because he runs to the corner, slides, shouts, and you can just see him like roar like a lion uh, in just like both pride and uh, disbelief that he was able to do this and finally score it in the theater of dreams in front of 75,000 people in one of the biggest stages in world soccer. Um, I'm sure he didn't believe he'd ever get to that stage. So I think seeing him, seeing him being able to score and doing that is, was just a delight. And just seeing how much he cares for this club, even if he ends up not being a longtime servant, but just how much you see he loves the club. That's why we love Manchester United. That's why, you know, there's that ethos and there's that idea of what it means to be a Manchester United player. And he's showing that of how big this club is. So honestly, such such a great thing to see. Honestly, Andy, I was beginning to doubt if he would ever score for Manchester United. So <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I was wondering because he does, he does a lot off the, 
he does a lot besides scoring. He is him as a striker. He's probably like how I would play because I am terrible, terrible with my feet in terms of soccer. I am atrocious, but I will always run. I will always give it a hundred percent. And so I see myself a little bit in Wake Horse minus the 12 or so inches that he has on. <laughs> um, so that's. Yeah, it's just it's cool to see him for all his hard work and you see the work that he puts in day in day out on every every game and he gets rewarded for it because he's playing. So, yeah, just really happy for him. Um then 4 days later, right, or 3 days later, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh on Sunday, United play against Southampton. Southampton are bottom dwellers in the Premier League, so this is looking like this should be an an easy-ish win. Because um, there's no real easy game in the Premier League. And I want to say 25, 30 minutes in, uh, Casemiro goes in for a tackle. Uh, the surface is looking a little wet, and so there's kind of some mishandling uh, of the ball on the on the pitch. And Casemiro goes in for a slide tackle. To me, it looks like he kind of slid a little bit late because when he puts his, I want to say his right foot out, it hits the ball but it careens over the top of the ball and into the mid foreleg of the of a Newcastle player. Now, initially just Southampton. Southampton, yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Initially it's viewed as a yellow card, but VAR goes back to check it because they are seeing this as a a dangerous tackle because it's a slide tackle, the studs are up in the air and it ends up hitting the ends up hitting a Southampton player. There's no there's no malintent to a red card, but I guess the rule is that if it is a high boot, it is yeah. looking like that it's a red card. And on second like in seeing it, I could see it as a red card. So it was just really, really disappointing to see. it was on my end just more disappointing to see that. Obviously um Casemiro was not trying to do what he did. Uh he was just going for the ball and and by the letter of the law, he did get the ball. So in other, I think, games and other years past, that would have been a clean tackle because he got the ball first. If he missed the ball, <laughs> that might have been different. But I guess in today's day and age, um, that is a that is a red card. And yeah. I would say rightly so. Um, before kind of getting more into it, my, or before, or I can just go for the rest of the game. So what ends up happening is United played down with 10 men. Uh, they bring on Scott McTominay, who actually does quite well, uh, puts in some great defensive perfor- performances uh, or plays. De Gea has a great game. He has a one-on-one save uh, with, um, I think it was Theo Walcott of former Arsenal glory. Um, JK, Arsenal had no glory before this, maybe maybe this season, if that even happens. Um, but... Game ends nil nil, um, cause we kinda had, United kinda had to concede and weren't able to, weren't able to get the, get the goal, even though it was a quite open game, just missing that extra player, you know, from Casemiro getting sent off. So he's gone for four games now, and United are looking very thin in defensive midfield and are gonna have to find a way to balance their midfield now that they are essentially left with the midfield that saw them get in sixth place last year with Fred and Scott McTominay. So kind of a topsy-turvy game, but in the grand scheme of things, we knew after last game 
we weren't going to win the Premier League. So right now we're just going, making sure we finish strong, try to get second, or just make sure that we get top four at least. So that's yeah. the with the United. Well, I don't know if you have any any thoughts on I thoughts do. on the call, Paul. Um, yeah, curious what your thoughts are with that. I do. I mean, I had similar thoughts to you in the moment when I saw the tackle. I was like that. That looked rough, and based on how the Southampton player reacted, I was like, well, that could have been high, but I was like, okay, yellow card, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And then when I watched the replay, I was like, oh, that's a red. That mm-hmm. was that was my first instinct on seeing it the second time in the replay because and the I kind of liked how the announcers looked at it, Andy, is that Casemiro – I shouldn't say just Casemiro. Any player is supposed to be in control at all times, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why some sliding tackles become red cards is because not necessarily of the malintent, but because of the lack of control. And I don't think Casemiro was necessarily not fully in control, but I think he slid in kind of late. And yeah. it, and it was unfortunate because, like you said, it wasn't malintent. Mm-hmm. His his boot skipped off the top of the ball and ended up going into the mid shin like mm-hmm. higher up the leg of the Southampton player. Right. And I was amazed. I, I shouldn't say amazed, but the passion that Casemiro had in his reaction to the red card, because you see how crestfallen he is mm-hmm. by that call. Mm-hmm. And that really, honestly, it moved me, even yeah. as someone who is just a neutral party watching the game. Mm-hmm. So I definitely felt bad for him in that moment. But after he gets sent off, Andy, that was one of the most thrilling nil-nil games I've seen. Yeah, it was. It was, it was end great. To end. It was. It was great for a neutral. Um, yes, it was. And I even thought that because it's so open, we can find a way to do it. And we weren't. We just weren't able. Uh, the goalkeeper for Southampton, his name. Let me pull up in my own. Let me pull up in my own notes so I make sure I give him the uh, kudos we love to give out is I didn't even put his name down. <laughs> um but the Southampton goalie was had a had a great game. Uh there was one shot by Bruno that looked like it was destined to go in. Goalkeeper gets a hand to it hit and gets a hand to it and pushes it onto the post, uh which ends up careening across the across the uh across the other crossbar and misses misses, ends up going out for a I think goal kick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, very, very entertaining. Um, and you know, should United have won this? Absolutely. I think given going down to a red card, a draw isn't the, isn't the worst result, but it's kind of like kiss. This is the one that is like, it's actually like kissing your sister. Like this is something you're not going to feel really great about sharing at any time soon. Yeah. Um, but my, my one thing, and as we kind of alluded to of with VAR, the one question I just have is the inconsistency of VAR when you have a you have a vehicle where you are slowing down the game to then make a more consistent decision. I think it's this rush to either get VAR or not get VAR. The just the inconsistency of it is really is really confusing and like upsetting because there was an instance where in United, I think, had crossed the ball into the 18-yard box, and it hits a Southampton player in the arm, and he is on the ground, and he's kind of using his arms to stay up. I don't think that that is necessarily a handball, per se, because if it's a natural position, like he's just trying to hold himself up, 
he wasn't purposely trying to have his arm go out. The issue is that this was an exactly same kind of play that saw Lissandra Martinez give up a, like, potentially give up a penalty and was called a penalty that ended up having United go through and having to play Barcelona. So I would say, Paul, like, that inconsistency between what's a handball in the box is really infuriating because you're changing games, high stakes games with those kinds of calls and you have a mechanism to be consistent because you can slow it down to actually make the right call. So it's kind of the idea of you're having this ability to slow down, make a call, have all the information and resource at hand and still get the call wrong. That's my, that's my main thing is just be consistent with it. Now that you have a mechanism to be consistent with it. That's my that's my steal. That's my spig. Yeah, I mean, here's something we have to remember though, Andy. Is this is what the f- not the first, the second year? I would say the first full year of VAR where they've kind of expanded it, right? It's good. It's gonna take some time to work out the kinks and work out the inconsistencies, right? You know, and and you can also look at on-field referees and their inconsistencies with on-field referees, right? Every referee mm-hmm. has their own style. Every referee looks at the game differently. Some like to be disciplinary and some like to let the players play. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, it, it's going to take some time to work out those kinks because VAR is still very new in the scheme of soccer, right? And yeah. we want, we want all the calls to be right, right away. And that's why VAR was implemented, but we have to just give it a little bit of time. And yes, it's going to affect games, but if you look back, there were also missed calls and incorrect calls in the past that have affected games where VAR would have corrected it too. For sure, yeah. Like it, I think there's an there's an argument that can be made that it's it evens out and it's just kind of shifting the dynamics of where or it's shifting where the calls are being made and won and lost. I think yeah. I think right now there are some there are some major issues because I guess from what I heard, this is I'm taking from what I remember hearing from Men and Blazers. Um, and Michael Davies does a really good. Uh, or I think he has a a very knowledgeable opinion on this because he looked into the intent behind VAR and the intent behind VAR was to allow there to be more goals because obviously goals are the exciting part about soccer. And so they had VAR in which as a way to make sure that there are more goals that are allowed that maybe wouldn't have been allowed because of off of, because of offsides where you probably favored when in doubt someone's off, probably there's a tendency for people to say when in doubt it's, offsides where i think yeah. actually the case it's when in doubt you play someone's onsides yeah um yeah. but what's happened since the implementation of vr is that there's actually been less goals scored and this is according to michael davies so he's mm-hmm. saying that the actual intent of var is not being used for its intended purpose because one now you have things like you're going back four or five plays to then find a to find something that stopped a goal or yeah. You're then having someone being offsides by illegitimate toenail, and that's the that is apparently enough to call off a goal when Wait, it's Fernand to- toenails. What? Yeah. So like the difference of Fernand toenails, <laughs> the difference him. You can fit him in the in between. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. But we'll Wait. we'll play with the call out. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I get that's, it. That's that's where I'm at with, with yeah. VAR because I think it's doing that and it's also taking away this glory of that 
sometimes goal celebrations, whether they're right or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, and having to wait and again, just kind of mechanize the game, which I don't, I don't like to see. I don't like to see the more mechanizations of the game, but yeah, no, that's just my thing. I, I get it. I think we can definitely die divulge how about uh jump into gosh i don't know where my brain's at today jump into that argument moving forward at another another podcast we could do a full podcast on just var episodes so um but quick real quick sidebar before we get into around the leagues andy if one more manchester united fan or announcer calls lissandro martinez martinez i'm gonna lose it (laughs) Welcome, welcome to English speakers. I in know. England, in England, it's always Martinez. It's, yeah, it's it's Martinez. It's if it was wait, Martinez, there would be an accent over the A. Yep, it's, you are. It's it's very frustrating for me. I I absolutely believe it because I remember with uh someone named Jose. It's not Jose. It's Jose. Josie. Yeah, Jose. Or Josie. And you're like, yeah. Mm. But yep. Yep. yep, yep. So speaking of speaking of that in. <laughs> mispronunciations one of my favorite ways to mispronunciate is in german and going to the bundesliga looks like there were a whole ton of goals happening over in the bundesliga yes goals on goals on goals if you like goals if you want goals the bundesliga has goals especially in their top teams in the league so andy as we've been talking about over the last few weeks there's been a very hotly contested title race at the top of the bundesliga and so far, it has turned into a little bit more of a two-horse race between Dortmund and Bayern Munich. And Dortmund took on Schalke this past weekend in a derby of some word that I don't know how to pronounce because it's German. But it was a derby, and it was hotly contested. And both fans, both sets of fans were going absolutely nuts. Dortmund went up, Schalke tied. Dortmund went up, Schalke tied. And it ended up being a 2-2 draw. Very exciting end-to-end action and a thrilling game. Thrilling game. If you guys have not uh, seen it yet, go back, watch the highlights. It was fascinating. Yep. And then Bayern took on Augsburg. Augsburg went up very early, 1-0. Bayern proceeded to score five straight goals, four or five straight goals. Yikes. Augsburg came back, scored another two. Bayern top, Augsburg 5-3 and take a two-point lead over Dortmund. Now, Union mm-hmm. Berlin tied again. So in their last four games, they have tied three and lost one game, and it is not looking good for them. Nope, looks like their their Cinderella story is is rapidly vanishing. Yes. So, but we still have still might have something with Dortmund, which is usually the classic if it's going to be Bayern or Dortmund. Um, yes. So yeah, we're getting to that point in the season where league leaders uh, are either slipping or we're finding out who has uh, the strength to to oversee or and outlast their competition. So yes. moving over to La Liga, we see that Real Madrid uh, beat Espanyol. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yes, you got um, it. Perfect. Three-one, uh, uh, but there is still nine points behind Barca with Barca's win against Atletico Bilbao. Yes. Yeah. What are your What are your takeaways? Are you Yeah. What are your takeaways from this game, Paul? Uh, it was interesting. Real Madrid started really poorly again. That's kind of been their mo in La Liga games in recent weeks. They went down one nil early, but then as 
lower mid-tier teams tend to do in these sort of games. Espanol just dropped back and tried to protect their one-goal lead, and Real Madrid just attacked and attacked and attacked and attacked, and eventually Espanol broke not once, not twice, but three times. So yeah. it was it was a good good game overall for Real Madrid. It was kind of scary to start because Real Madrid fans were probably thinking, oh no, is this going to happen again where we're going to drop points again? But mm-hmm. they ended up regaining their strength after the first 15, 20 minutes. And started looking like the Real Madrid of old and scored three. So, um, But on a quick sidebar, the battle for relegation in La Liga is just as interesting as it is in the Premier League, Andy. We have five teams within two points of the relegation zone in La Liga. Yikes. Yikes. And as we have talked about in recent weeks, the relegation battles are fascinating. Love seeing yes. them. Yes, they are absolutely fascinating, and that is the complete opposite of what's happening in Serie A, where if you look <laughs> on the opposite end of the table, you're seeing Napoli have an 18-point gap. Again, they've regained that 18 points. They made up ground uh, with their win over Atlanta. Um, but we are having a bit of a race for second, and why this is important is that if you finish, I believe, in the top three in Italy, it might be four, but I think now it's actually three. Top three places in Serie A, you get qualification into the Champions League for next season. So, and that means money, 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 money. Yes. So right now, for for a second, we have three points between four teams. We have Inter Milan, we have Lazio, which I nicknamed Lazio because of their Nazi past. Um, <laughs> Milan and or and AC Milan, and we have AS Roma. Uh, all battling for second place, second and third place. So very, very interesting uh, yes. for that se- second place race. Um, going over to the Premier League, we have Manchester City keeping the pace, trying to trying to dis- uh, dismount Arsenal from the top. Uh, they got a win over Crystal Palace, only a one nil win, which you're kind of surprised by with the um, power that Manchester City can have. Yeah. Um, but Arsenal find a way to still dominate. Actually, a really good Fulham side, at least in recent weeks, uh, 3-0. Yeah. That was the quietest I've ever heard a crowd, by the way. In which, the Ars- in which game? The Arsenal-Fulham game. That yeah. crowd got silenced <laughs> yeah. very early and continued yeah. to be silent, which was crazy. Yep. The Craven Cottage can get quite quiet very, very quickly. Yes. And then Andy, like <laughs> after Manchester's Manchester United's performance against Liverpool last week, Liverpool, as we have talked about, feast or famine. It was famine this past week. They lose one nil to Bournemouth. Bournemouth, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Does that make you feel better or worse? No, about it makes Manchester? you feel. Well, it makes me feel a little bit better for about Manchester United. Yeah, only because we can see that this Liverpool team is such a Jekyll and Hyde team where mm-hmm. one game they can score seven times off eight attempts where this game they can lose to cherries. Yes. Their nicknames, Bournemouth's the nicknames are the cherries. So it is feast or famine because I guess when Liverpool tried to have cherries, they have the poison kind. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, Pete. <laughs> Just why did you have to do this when we're in a title chase? Why, Liverpool? Why couldn't you why? save? Why couldn't you save a loss for... And why couldn't you save your win against us to go against Bournemouth? Yeah. Mickey Mouse. Um, yeah, but still we got a, we got a relegation battle. Um, I did see that Everton were able to win. Um, so, which means they are outside of the relegation zone, but we still have about nine teams within three points of relegation for the Premier League. 
Yeah. Unbelie- <laughs> unbelievable. Um, so we have a race for the bottom or a great escape for so many teams happening. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on those. As you guys know, with soccer, football, relegation is pretty unique to them where teams go up or down to the top leagues and then can go down to lower leagues. So these are, there are money implications. There are, ton of other implications for players and things like that that are involved with staying in the top league. So these teams are holding on for dear life. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And I think we have another team that's holding on to dear life for their, for really their Champions League hopes. Um, because in their domestic competition, they're still doing what they've always done. We're talking about PSG, uh, where they won against Brest. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, my brother is listening to the podcast. Please correct me. Joey, Joey, let us know. Yes, please. Honestly, we should just have a recording of him saying French words so that, and we can just interlay that over just so yes. I'm pronouncing this right. Yes. Um, but yep, able to do the business against, uh, breast, but not doing it against, uh, their bread and butter and what they signed Messi and uh. Neymar and Mbappe for. Uh, which is against Bayern Munich. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Andy, and I'm sorry to my brother, Chris, who, Chris, oh my gosh, Chris, who is a PSG fan. It's just, it, the news gets worse and worse for PSG. PSG found out this past week, Neymar is done for the season. He had mm-hmm. successful season ending ankle surgery. And so he's in a boot. It's pink. It's beautiful. He posted <laughs> a picture of that on social Wonderful. media. That was great. Yep. And not only that, but PSG were tied 1-1 with Brest and needed a beautiful, messy, one-time pass over the top to Mbappe, who barely stayed on side. And Mbappe one-on-one with a keeper. Mbappe's going to win that 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And Mbappe scores very, very close to the end of the game. And they managed to come up with a 2-1 win. As you mentioned, against Bayern... PSG had chances early because it looked like Bayern Munich were still kind of getting settled into the game. And Vitinha had a chance to go up 1-0 in this game and didn't realize that De Ligt is probably the best or one of the best center backs in the world. And he came flying in to clear the ball off the line when Vitinha thought he had an open net. Mm-hmm. And But once Bayern got settled into the game, Andy, it was... It was night and day who was the better team because PSG could barely get the ball out of their own half. Mbappe was a shadow of a thought in the second half. He barely saw the ball. Messi was trying to pick up the ball in his own, at the edge of his own 18 to try to get his team out. But Bayern were pressing him so hard. He lost the ball a couple of times in those areas. PSG couldn't do anything because their defenders in midfield couldn't get control of the game. And that's been, Mm That's been the the tell of the tale this entire season with this team. We've, I mean, I'm sounding like a broken record at this point, but their their defense and their midfield has lost them too many games this season. Yeah, and I think it's it seems like as as someone coming from a team that had this policy of just getting Rolls Royce players that are only focused on attack and not necessarily focused on a team cohesive unit or working as a team. It seems like. PSG is maybe just a little bit too over-reliant on Messi and Neymar to be the threat um, for for goals and not so much on a build-up play or being resilient in, in defense and being combative in midfield to win balls over. But so they have, they have I guess, some thinking to do in the boardroom of what kind of team they want moving forward because yeah. with talks about Mbappe 
wanting to leave. You know, this doesn't bode well for Mbappe trying to stay in Paris. Um, no. And it doesn't no, it... bode well for Messi uh, yeah. either. So they were having a chance to lose out on a lot of key name players that were brought in with the promise of easy qualification for the Champions League. So then he can go into uh, the Champions League and try to win it all. Yeah, yeah, and Messi supposedly is going to make a decision this week on his future because his contract's up at the end of this year. So we we will see. We shall see. So yeah, who else is uh, going through in the Champions League? Paul Benfica dominating, absolutely dominating. I believe they play Club Bruges. Is that right? Sweet. Yeah, Bruges. Yes. Sounds sounds like a plan. Yes, seven one aggregate. Like oh my gosh, they're looking dangerous. Chelsea come back from 1-0 down in aggregate, win 2-0 to go 2-1 up and through. Bayern also, as we just mentioned, wiped PSG off the face of the Champions League earth. And AC Milan on a, I guess, thrilling 0-0 draw with Tottenham go through 1-0 in aggregate. Hmm. But those are the teams that went through this past week. Yeah, poor, poor Tottenham. Actually, it's kind of yeah. surprised that Chelsea got through. Chelsea has been having a torrid time. Yes. Um, so happy for Graham Potter, um, to be able to make, to make it through and have something on his, on his CV. So and, yeah. <laughs> quick, quick Chelsea stat for you, Andy. Chelsea played, oh, I'm forgetting who they played. Hang on one second. They played. Uh, Leicester City this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Chelsea scored three goals in that game. It's the first time Chelsea has scored three goals in a game since I believe this past September. Yep. Yep. Wow. I saw a crazy stat on my glorious uh, social media that said that Chelsea has spent about three hundred million on player acquisitions, and they've gotten six goals, <laughs> and they've. They've done a breakdown, and they found that Kim Kardashian's one of her mansions costs uh-huh. fifty million. Yes. So for each goal Chelsea have scored, they've essentially paid the equivalent of a Kim Kardashian mansion for one goal in the Premier League. Oh my gosh! Like so I know amazing. these. Yeah. Like it's it's just bad money for invest. It's just horrible money for investment. Horrible yes. money. So yes, not great thinking on Chelsea's end of what they're spending. Obviously it's, you have to spend a lot of money in the Premier League, not knocking that, but just the return on investment is deplorable coming from someone who owns a private equity firm. You know, yeah. you'd think he'd be a little bit smarter, but you would think, you'd think, Oh, Oh, well, but yeah. So that brings us to our second segment of Barcelona versus United given this week, Paul, if they had a face again, who do you think is going to, going to advance Barcelona or United? Who do you think is going to win? I'm I'm going to give it to Barcelona this week just because they're getting players back from injury. They, you know, Manchester United over the past two weeks have looked so-so as, you know, I'm sure you can attest to. But mm-hmm. I'm giving I'm giving the slight edge to Barcelona this week. I think Barcelona would eke out a win. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree given that our starting midfield is going to now be uh, Scott McTominay and Fred who are – Great players in themselves, but they need to have Casemiro and United, like I've kind of mentioned before, they are going to need to find a way to find a Casemiro and be solid in midfield uh, and feel confident and safe in their midfield. So I'm going to, I would, I just want, I would give this one to Barca. I would say a 2 0 uh, at least wow. uh, to Barca uh, Sweet. on that. So I'll take it. Yep. Cool. 
Do you want to take uh, your super sub of the week, Paul, as well? Yes, yes. So my super sub of this week, I'm giving it to the referee slash VAR. Shout out to the listener who criticized clap, me clap, this clap, past clap, week. Clap, 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 clap. Yes, yes. Uh, no, but in all reality, I'm actually giving it to Alvaro Morata for Atletico Madrid for scoring a 91st minute goal off of a cross slash scrum in the box there. The ball popped to him on the very edge of the back post and he went full stretch with his foot to poke it into the back of the net mm. to give Atletico Madrid a 1-0 win over Girona. And Atletico Madrid are just trying to keep pace with that Champions League football. They doesn't It doesn't look like with Barcelona and Real Madrid's performances that they're going to have a shout at the title, but they are maintaining pace in staying in Champions League football. Yeah, and that's really all you can do is just hopefully just stay in the pack and maybe something slips up for them. Uh, but always good to see Alvaro Morata uh, doing well um, because yes. he was widely regarded as one of the top talents uh, a couple years ago, and now it seems to be a... Not necessarily world-class, but just kind of lost a little bit of his standing. So anytime he's doing well is just better for the soccer world year-round. Um, for my super sub, I'm going to go with Sead uh, Hexabanovich. I uh, want to give nice. a little bit of love to Scotland. Um, Scotland in, in Scotland, there are two kind of perennials, uh, Celtic versus Rangers, uh, which has a historic rivalry between yes. the two. Um, yes. most people have said in soccer fandom circles that that is the most intense rivalry in world, in the world of soccer. There's yep. that, there's that one or, uh, who is it? Boca juniors versus is it River yes. Plata in Argentina. That's yeah. yeah those two, those, those two rivalries can go head to head. Yes. Those sure. are, yeah, those can get dangerous quick. Yes. Um, but in this, uh, wasn't a, um, old firm as it's called in Scotland. Wasn't one of those games they played against Heart of Midlothian. Um, and Sead Haxabanovich came on to score a goal, uh, pretty much put the game to bed, uh, making it a 3-1 victory over the, or of Celtic, sorry. So FC Celtic was the winner. <laughs> uh, and Sead Haxabanovich plays for FC Celtic. He scored the third goal to beat Heart of Midlothian 3-1. Um, nice. So that so that's our super subs. Paul, who do you got as your super dud of the week? Uh, sorry again, Chris, but I'm giving it to PSG. I mean, your whole team, your whole concept is built around trying to win a Champions League. That's why you brought in Neymar. That's why you brought in Mbappe. And that's why two years ago you brought in Messi. Mm-hmm. And you just bowed out in the round of 16, granted against a team that's probably going to be in the final and might win it because Bayern's looking that dominant right now. But... Like, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I just don't get it. It's, and I'm, that's all I have to say. I can't, yeah. I can't sit on the soapbox and complain about PSG anymore. It's, it's PSG as a whole, Andy. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, just disappointing. Um, yeah. and yeah. And from what I've heard too, that they might have financial fair play, uh, come after them because they kind of knew, they kind of knew maybe purchasing, uh, the top three, uh, talents. Was going to probably cause some ruffles, so we'll we'll see. Now that PSG hasn't won their Champions League, and I think by the end of this contract, like this contract cycle, there might be some financial fair play uh, lawsuit throwing in. So now we got some uh, politics coming involved. Lovely. Um, speaking of politics, uh, my super dud is actually going to be the British Broadcasting Company. Um, so over the weekend. Um, Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker is a former Leicester City uh, player and he is an England international. 
regard very highly regarded uh in sport as one of the best players from England and as a very very good sports broadcaster. Um this past week something happened in uh the UK where they have re- from what I can understand is reduced the number of asylum seekers coming to the UK. And Gary Lineker posted some posted something on his um social media calling out the UK government for implementing this policy very similar to almost like the US policy where we stopped having we widely curtailed the amount of immigrants and asylum seekers coming in which also gained a lot of um a lot of flack so Gary Lineker went on to social media to talk about this um and Gary Lineker from what i understand is like a freelance broadcaster so he's not necessarily a employee under the BBC However, the BBC decided that they were going to suspend Gary Lineker and no longer have him as a supervisor because there is something in BBC's laws where you have to be impartial, um, so you can't have political statements. However, they didn't really read in between the lines. And so what ended up happening was that a lot of former – or a lot of broadcasters who are former players and a lot of people that worked with Gary Lineker was like, this is not right, that he's getting sacked for saying something on his own personal um, Twitter. Or, Instagram or whatever, and they backed him up and they went to the BBC and said, if Gary Lineker doesn't like broadcast, we are not going to broadcast. And so if you saw any sort of the BBC sport uh, coverage, it was very scant. It was not the usual broadcasting coverage because of the walkout that the uh, employees did in support of Gary Lineker. Now, (laughs) BBC has approached Gary Lineker said on public that they have apologized for what happened and Gary Lineker is back on uh, for their sports coverage. So for all of this, for kind of just completely misreading the room for the BBC trying to, on one part, be impartial, but realize that kind of taking this stance was the wrong stance um, in the grand scheme of things, I'm going to give them the super dud of the week uh, for kind of just shooting themselves in the foot uh, a little bit. So... BBC, yeah. you are the first uh, broadcasting company to be named a super dud, uh, for, at yeah. least for this podcast. To, to be fair, Fox, Fox Sports slash Fox probably would have gotten it if we were doing this segment back during the World Cup. But yeah. Oh yeah, the, God, they were so bad in their <laughs> commentating. Oh my God. Let's let's I, not open that can okay. of worms again. Yeah. That's a bad okay. one. Okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll make sure we we sign off on on that point. Uh, but thanks again, listeners, for bearing with us uh, for this podcast. Uh, getting again to the hour, man. Paul, we're just having so much fun that yeah. we have to like probably find like a force a forceful way to like cap it at half hour for our listeners because <laughs> they're very very uh, courteous and very devout for us, but. We're probably burning their eardrums. So I'm going to end it here with that. I have been Andy. Paul has been Paul. And with that, I'm going to wish you all a very big old bye. Bye.